0: All right. Hey, God's good. Amen. Amen. Thanks for reading for us this morning, Jason and Melanie. Uh, Each year we think about Christmas. It seems to begin earlier and earlier, I think. Right. We begin to focus and talk about Christmas and we talk about presents. Uh, Even before Halloween this year, I saw a few stores that already had like their decoration. Anybody else see that? Right. Like, man, they need to get their life together, right? I'm just saying, man. But but the, the commercials begin to pop up. I think they're directed towards men or really towards anybody. It says, don't forget, it's only seven years until Christmas. Start your shopping right now, you know? Uh, the arguments on Facebook and in churches and in communities, like they start up about when's the right time to decorate and when can we listen to Christmas music, right? Like we ain't got enough to worry about. And then, and then Thanksgiving hits, right? And after Thanksgiving, after we're kind of you know, after football and all that other stuff, after that's over, the traditions begin to start, right? So for us, that's when our traditions really start. My wife tries to sneak in a Christmas song. She's repented of that, but uh, she tries to, she hasn't repented yet. Uh, But maybe the traditions start. Anybody have traditions that at Christmas time, family traditions that you do each and every year? Okay, three of us. All right. All right. Well, I ain't got nothing for you guys, but so, but, but it begins for us, right? It, the, the traditions start, right? Um, I remember, I remember growing up. Uh, we would go out usually the weekend right after Thanksgiving, and we would go out to a tree farm and we'd cut down our own tree. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever live tree in here? Yeah, Amen. You guys are godly people. The rest of it, we got discipleship for you. We can help you out with that. But, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, man, we, we we go out, we'd get we'd get on, like, this hayride thing, it would take us up into the tree farm, and we would cut down our own tree, and, you know, us men would, like, you know, bark like Tim Allen, arr, arr, you know, because that's what we do. I'm the only one, okay. And so we would take that tree back, and that thing would be shook, and we'd go, and we'd buy, like, uh, hot chocolate and hot cider and all that stuff. We'd go home. This is, you know, as kids, we'd go home, and we would set that sucker up, and, uh We'd put all the ornaments on there wherever we wanted. We had certain ones that my mom would let us touch, right? And then so we would put them on the tree, and then guess what? We would go out and play, or we'd go to bed, and then my mom rearranged every single one of those, right? So they actually looked good. We'd get up there the next morning. We are like, wow, did we do this? And she's like, yes, you sure did, right? And so, but man, this is a time of year, like, just a lot of traditions, busyness. Anybody else super busy this time of year, right? It's just super busy, lots going on. I think about other traditions that we have. We would uh, we would go out. Oh my goodness, my my mom was here this weekend. I didn't know she's gonna be here this morning, so I can tell this story now, but because she's not here. But uh, but we would go out on Christmas Eve. We'd go and we had two different families. You know, one side of the family went on Christmas Eve. Next time we went on Christmas, we went to their that side of the family. And so what we what we would do on Christmas Eve is my dad had one of those uh, like recorders that was like this big you know and uh, my mom would drive and my dad would just kind of hang out the window it's like zero degrees and my dad's hanging out the window we're all covered up and like we got our snow suits on and my dad like shh, got the christmas going on christmas music going on we're videoing the christmas lights anybody else do that craziness i thought someone was talking to my house yesterday they were driving by videoing like and taking pictures of christmas lights and i was like get out of here you know but they were just doing traditional stuff uh, Christmas fudge. Anybody kind of have like Christmas fudge or make desserts and stuff? No? Hey, have some of our Christmas fudge, man. It'll change your life. I think the angels eat it, right? And then, you know, in our home, man, this is it was good and bad at the same time. From the de- time we woke up until the time we went to bed, it was Christmas music or videos or a TV show, you know, watching Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, it was just on all the time. In all of December, it was all Christmas right we've got a lot of stuff that goes on this time of year anybody enjoy Christmas right I enjoy it right I enjoy the time of year I love the traditions right I love things that the traditions that me and my wife have carried on and then we I love the traditions that we've started right you guys do that right it makes my parents mad but they're like no you should do this but we got to start our own traditions right Lots of fun things to watch and, and read, right? You know, my kids are reading about Rudolph and all that other stuff, but I love my son, my, my boys, we have a little toy nativity set and they lay that thing out and Jax goes and gets his Rudolph that he's had since he was a baby and he opens up this book and he tells Rudolph about the story of Jesus and how he was born. So I just love those types of things, right? It's just it's just good stuff, reading through Matthew and Luke and Isaiah and just reading from the Word of God. Church, Rudolph and Frosty and all that stuff, they are fun to watch and they're fun to read about with the kids. But here's the reality. Out of all the Christmas, out of all the busyness, there is nothing that compares to the story of Jesus and how he came into the world. Man, let's not lose sight of that. There's nothing about why he came and how he came. There's nothing like that in the world. And the challenge for us is this. We sing these songs, right? We sing Christmas songs. We'll sing another one in a little bit. Um, we become so familiar with the songs. We become so familiar with the word of God and just reading those stories. Sometimes we can get be guilty of losing some of that wonder and amazement are you with me man sometimes we just got to sit back and just say god just show me how good you are christmas is about how the god the one that created the world right he created all that was in it It was about how he chose to come into the world and save us christmas is about a promise is a promise he made and that he kept. And so let's be intentional, church. Go home with your kids, with your family, steal your neighbor's kids, whatever it takes, and just talk, just do it appropriately. DCS would be called, but and then I'd get in trouble. But church, I mean, it's just let's just be intentional about that, right? About about being and in, in, not losing sight of the meaning and the wonder and the reality of Christmas. Are you with me, church? Man, the, the, the decorations they're great. Do all that stuff, but don't lose focus on Jesus. Don't miss out and forget that because God so loved you and your neighbor, and your enemy, and your best friend. He so loved the world that he gave Jesus, and Jesus came to be Emmanuel, God with us, and he came to save us, amen? This year, our Christmas series, and our series, our hope is as a church family is to look at God's word and to see who he is and see who Jesus is, but also see how we should respond to the birth of Christ. Two weeks ago, we looked at Matthew chapter one and we read about Joseph and we looked about at at the angel telling him that the child that Mary was carrying him, go ahead and marry her because it's Jesus. It's a savior of the world, right? God is keeping his promise right? He's a faithful God. He's a true God. And then what, is, what do we see? Joseph trusted in the Lord, and he followed the Lord. He immediately gets out of bed and does what he was told to do by God, right? Last week, so we, so we looked at we can trust him. Last week, looking at Luke, Mary is told by Gabriel, the angel, right, that she is going to carry Jesus, like he's the Savior, right? And I love her response. Her response could have been a lot of things. When God comes and tells us, hey, this is what I want you to do, sometimes we can kind of get this, woe me complex, right? Like, God, you know how hard this is going to make my life, right? You're going to ruin my plan she doesn't do that i think if it was me well that'd be weird because i can't have a baby but if it was me like i would be like oh look at me i was chosen by god and we can have a response of woe me or we can have a response of pride but what does she respond with worship of who god is right and what he's done that was her response was was worship she praised him church what an example for us to follow with both mary and joseph be reminded that christ or Christmas isn't ultimately about us and the presents we open and the parties we attend. Church, it's about a promise that God made and fulfilled. It's about Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us when we least deserved it. Let's remember that Christmas is about what he did for us when we least deserved it. He loves us, he pursued us, and he came to rescue and redeem and restore us. Christmas is about Jesus and what he's done, church. But it's also a reminder for us that we have a responsibility to respond. Like Joseph and trusting and being obedient to God and following him. Or like Mary and living out a life of worship to him. So we've spent the last two weeks in in Matthew and then in Luke. And today, just as Melanie and Jason read for us, we're going to look to Mark chapter 1. And we're just going to continue to see who Jesus is and what he's done. And what does that mean for us? How do we respond? When we think about Christmas, we often don't turn to the book of Mark, do we? That's not one that we kind of pull up and say, hey, let's talk about Jesus. We're going to go or the the, uh, the birth of Christ. We just we just don't turn to Mark because we don't have the narrative of Jesus's birth there. Right. We don't see the angels come down. We don't see, you know, and they're telling them, don't be afraid. The angels might want to switch what they're doing if they always have to tell people to stop being afraid, right? But we don't see that. We don't see the shepherds come, right? We don't see the wise men come a couple years later and and bring the gifts. We don't see Mary and Joseph, right? But Mark does open his writing with a short, succinct statement right at the beginning telling us who Jesus is and why he came. We can't miss that. We can't miss it. Sometimes it's a it's a verse. It's right there at the very beginning. We're just like, hey, let's read it and let's get into the meat of this. That's the meat right there. It's super good. Right? So here's what we've seen already. We have already seen in the last two weeks that Jesus came to be Emmanuel. And I love this with the church. Let's see how we're doing. Emmanuel means that's who he is. He is God with us, right? And we and we we saw how he came to save us from our sins, and he came to be the savior that we needed. We think a lot about gifts this time of year, right? We're, we're doing gift exchanges, and all my family's all spread out this year. We got some up here, and up here, here in Tucson. I got some in Kansas City, some in, you guys spread out, you know what I mean? Like Washington, we're all over the place. I'm all over the place this morning. I don't even know where I'm at. I lost my spot, right? But we're all about the, the gifts, and we're thinking about those. But here's the, here's the thing. Jesus came as the greatest gift ever to all mankind not just to our race or your race or that race or this group of people. It's not just an American holiday, right? It's to all people, right? All of mankind. And so one of the things that we will talk about today is what do we do once we have received that gift, right? What do we, what do we do with that? When we receive the gift of Jesus, what do we, what do we do with that? We're going to talk about that. This will come back out a little bit later, but what do we, and there's nothing in there for you guys, so don't, don't get all excited, but Mark begins by, actually, I should have said there's something in there if you guys respond and, you know, do well. So we we talk about Jesus and who he is and this gift. And then we also introduced, you heard them read about a man named John. We often refer to him as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And we're going to see how God used this man to prepare the way and to prepare hearts for Jesus. But also one of the things that we want to see is the example that john john the baptist leaves for us It's an example of humility and faithfulness Right as he understands that he's being used by god. Isn't that a good feeling to be used by god right And since melanie and jason have read that for us already Let's just go and seek god in prayer and then we'll walk through this passage together father. We love you God, we thank you for jesus We thank you for the life that he lived. We thank you for his how he was born, how all of that happened. God, it just took a miracle of God. God, we thank you for the perfect life, the death, his burial, his resurrection. We thank you, God, that he came because he loved us and he wants to save us. God, we pray, Lord, today that we would be attentive to what you have for us. God, thank you that you're in the life-changing business. Thank you that you save people from their sins. Be in charge of our hearts today as we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark opens up by saying, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. When we think of the words, the gospel, some of us might know what that means and some of us might. If you grew up in the church or you spent time reading the Bible, you think of the gospel, your your mind would probably run to Jesus, right? To the life of Jesus. For me, when I hear the words gospel, for some reason, my mind thinks Christmas and Easter, right or christmas through easter or whatever that looks like so we've got the birth of jesus where he came right then he lived his life and then we have the death his burial and his resurrection and so so for me and for our church we celebrate and we're thankful for the gospel of jesus but some people might not have that background or they might not have heard what the gospel is you might not know what it is or what it means the gospel the word gospel literally means good news means good news right if there is good news, it must be, if somebody's pointing out good news, it must be because there's bad news. Help me out, church, right? There's, there's bad news, right? And the reality is, the bad news is, is that you and I, all people, have sin in our life. All of us have sin in our life. We like to point and blame Adam and Eve for that, right? We're, we're pretty good at that, man, if it wasn't for them, but we would have done the same thing, right? We don't have issues pointing out other people's sin, right? We don't have issues with that at all. But you and I are guilty of sin. There's just no doubt about it. I know it's not a popular message anymore. You're guilty of sin. I'm guilty of sin. Amen, church? Man, it just is, right? We don't like to focus on our sin. We don't like to focus on the bad in our lives or the ways that we are far from God or way the ways that we're not walking with Him. But the reality is, church, is that our sin caused you and me and all of, all of people to be separated from God for eternity. That's the reality. There's no way to sugarcoat it, right? And sin has many consequences in our lives, doesn't it? there's brokenness there's addiction there's death there's hell and lots of things in between it also means probably the biggest consequence is that we spend eternity apart from the god that we were created to walk with but god says i love you i see your bad news i see what you've done but i've got news for you and then he made a promise to send a savior and at Christmas, we celebrate that promise, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We've seen this for two weeks in a row now, and here we're going to see it again. Christmas is about that God keeps His promise. If you've got your bulletin, there's room on the, on the back to, to fill out some notes on there and fill that out however you want, but God keeps His promise. That's what Christmas is all about. He saw our sin, he saw your sin, he saw my sin, he saw your neighbor's sin, right? He made a promise to send a Savior, and he sends the only one, he makes a promise to send the only one who could save us from our sins. I can't die for your sins, amen, church? You can't die for mine. Jesus was the one, and he came to wash us clean, and to make us new. He doesn't just make us better, he makes us new. He brings us back into a relationship with God. That's why he came, and it was Jesus, which is Emmanuel, which is... you guys are good man right this is what christmas is about that god made a promise and we see that his uh, that was the beginning of his promise being kept when jesus was born because jesus came to save his people jesus came to save his people too often oh i thought someone was clapping back there hey it's, it's just josh man we're good too often church think about this we leave jesus in the manger don't we man we're like hey christmas is over let's go back to doing what we're doing we don't have to look at the precious baby jesus anymore church man we're missing out he doesn't stay in the manger this is good stuff here right he doesn't stay there jesus came to to be born in that in that humble scenario and then he he lives a perfect life he came to die in your place that's why he came but he doesn't want to stay dead i love my little boys brody prayed last night he says he said god thank you so much for jesus or he said jesus thank you so much for you Thank you for coming. Thank you for being born, is what he says. He says, thank you for being born. Thank you for dying. And Jesus, you didn't stay dead. You rose on the third day, didn't you? That's what Brody prayed last night. I was like, man, you are so good, man. But that's why he came. He came to die and to rise again. So that why? So that we could have forgiveness and have eternal life and a relationship with God. That's good news. That's the gospel. There was bad news, which is our sin. And the good news is Jesus. When Mark writes this, God used him to write for all readers of all time, from that time until he's going to come back. But Mark's original audience, they would have known the word gospel. When they hear the word gospel, again, my mind goes to Christmas and Easter, right? It goes to Jesus. Their mind wouldn't have automatically gone to that. We don't run around saying, you know, hey, JL, I got a gospel for you, right? We say, I mean, I got a good word for you. I got some good news or something like that, right? We all like good news. Right that's not what we say on a regular basis but they would have said that they would have heard that on a they would have been very familiar with that the gospel is the greek word euangelion say that with me euangelion that's what that word is it means good news it means gospel euangelion you guys just spoke greek man you got your degree right in their day, you would have a person representing the government, they would represent the king or the emperor, and their job was to go around and go before the leader sometimes or go out for the leader proclaiming euangelion. They would go out and proclaim good news to their people. Whatever it was, those that, that, whatever it was that those that were in high power thought was good news, man, they thought, hey, we're going to raise your taxes. euangelion, right? This is good news, right? But they would send a person out into the land to proclaim, hey, listen up. We've got good news. They would have been used to that. It was used in a military term as in, or in regard to the military. If the military was in a battle, they would send a leader back. They would send a, 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 a messenger back. And, and if they were victorious in the battle, the messenger would go back to the people. And his job was to proclaim Gellion, I've got good news. We've got good news. We have been victorious. A, a victory has been won for you. Are you hearing me? And what we read here in Mark is just that. Right? He's using language that would have been familiar, that they would all have been familiar with and talking about and proclaiming gospel. And so Mark just takes that culture and what he does here, he opens up the book by, of Mark and he's proclaiming you on Galileon. He says, I have the, don't miss it, I have the good news. A victory has been won for you. Listen up. And he's about to tell them about all of the life of Jesus from his ministry on to his his resurrection in Mark. He's proclaiming good news. From the get-go, he, he's getting their attention. It's the good news. It's like it's like he's saying, You all are used to good news, right? Whatever the king or the emperor wants that or the military wants that to be. You're used to good news, but guess what? I have the good news. I have the best news ever, and here it is. It is the gospel. Of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Wow. He's saying, "Listen up! What I'm about to tell you is the best news ever, and it's good news for all of the world, for all generations." I love the fact that my parents, my pastor, my leaders told me, "You evangelion," and I get to tell my kids and people of our church the good news of Jesus Christ. He says it's the best news of Jesus. Notice he says the gospel. Kevin, can you leave that up here through this? Can you do that for me? Because we're going to walk through this passage together. He says it's good news for all for all the world, for all generations. He says it's the good news. It's the gospel of Jesus. Right? We know who Jesus is, right? But he doesn't stop there. He says it's the best news ever of Jesus. And then he says Christ. Right? It's the best news of Jesus Christ. Now, it, I don't want to assume people understand this, but we need to know Christ is not Jesus' last name. Do we understand that? Throughout Scripture, we'll see places where it says Jesus Christ, or we'll see Christ Jesus, right? Or we'll see, just see Christ, or just see Jesus. So Jesus is, or Christ is not his last name. It's a title. It's his identity. It's who he is. Jesus is Christ, and Christ is the same title that the Hebrews would use for Messiah, so when you hear that song, Jesus Messiah, you guys know that song? You could sing Jesus Christ, I don't know how, but you get what I'm saying? It's the same word, right? So Jesus Christ or Jesus Messiah is the one that God promised to them hundreds of years ago. He is God in the flesh, the best gift ever, the best news ever. It means that Jesus is the anointed one. He's the one that's been promised to save our tushies from sin. Amen, church, right? It means that there's a new king in town. He's the promise one you've been been waiting for. And what we're celebrating this season is that Jesus, the one that we see laying in a manger, is the new king in town for eternity, church, right? He's the good news for all of us. And this is the best news ever, amen? We're going to say that a lot. This is just good stuff today, man. Because before we ever even knew we needed Jesus, before you ever knew you needed Jesus, Jesus Christ came to claim victory over sin and over death. Your sin. He died your death. And he made it possible for us to have eternal life with God forever. For us, Jesus Christ is the best news ever. And so Mark's, Mark opens up and he says, I've got good news. The gospel, the best news ever. Here it is. He's here. His name is Jesus. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the promised one. And guess what? This is where it gets better. He's the Son of God. He's not just some dude. All right, we're going to talk about that. He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. You've got the Trinity. You've got the Father. You've got the Son. You've got the Holy Spirit. All equally God. Different roles, different responsibilities, but they're all equally God. Sometimes you hear people teach that Jesus came as a God. Man, that's phooey, church. I, I don't know if that's Greek or not, but it's fooey, man. Right? Or, or that he came and, and just worked his way to Godhead or some kind of Godhood or something like that. Right? There's a teaching about that. Some will say that, man, he was just a really good man that just happened to do the right thing at the right time. But none of that is true. We need to read the Bible to know this. And it says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word we know is Jesus. So we're just going to say that in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God when at the beginning, before creation. And the Word Jesus was god there's no mince of words that they're you're with me church he is god jesus has always been and always will be god he didn't earn his way to be god he was never created he is the creator amen church and he's the one that came what a powerful way to open up this passage mark is saying here he is god in the flesh the best news ever god didn't send his best angel god didn't send some cool guy to be raised up man he sent god Mark's telling telling him, man, he's preparing for the rest of Mark. He's, man, listen, listen to what I'm about to tell you. I'm about to tell you about Jesus, the one that came to be our example, the one that came to serve and love and teach, and the one that came to be your Savior. God in the flesh, and he is going to live and then die in your place, and he's going to rise again, and that church is good news. Not just for them, not just for you and I, but for all people of all generations. What a great way to start a sermon, amen? woo Mark says this, Mark starts this in an amazing way, it's the best news, a victory has been won for you, right, we know that, he's about to tell about the life of Jesus, as we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate that a new king is here and his name is Jesus, and I'll be honest, that right there, it should ignite us with excitement. Mark opens up in a big way. He's got this big news about Jesus being the promised one that that has come to be the Savior. He's going to be our Savior, right? And then he says, it's kind of weird. He's like, okay, here's this big news about the the gospel. And then he kind of starts quoting scripture a little bit, all right? So there's a little bit of a transition. And he says this in verse 2. He's telling us about something that happened a long time ago. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, so back in the Old Testament, behold, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then we meet John the Baptist. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Mark points us back to the Old Testament to something that was written about 700 years prior. And he's going to introduce us to John the Baptist or John the Baptizer or good old John, however you want to call it, man. But 700 years prior to this point, God had already said, I'm going to send a Messiah for you. I'm going to send a Savior. And then he even gives details 700 years prior about what's going to happen right before that. He said, hey, man, there's going to be a man that I'm going to send before Jesus to help prepare the way. John MacArthur says it this way. He says, John the Baptist was the divinely promised messenger. God knew what he was doing. God is sovereign. Amen. He's in charge. God promised this messenger sent to prepare the way for the messiah or for Jesus. We also see that in 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 the book of Luke. We kind of skip over this sometimes, but before the angel comes to Mary and says, "Hey Mary, you're going to be pregnant, right? And you're going to have the savior." Before that ever happened, he comes to two people and he tells them, he announces the birth of John the Baptist. That's in if you need to look that up, Luke chapter 1 verse 5 through 25. It's that right there. And the angel tells Zechariah, he says, "Hey, John's going to be born." Right? Verse 17, it says that John will go before Jesus to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. You think the word contradicts itself? No. The word from the beginning to the end is an agreement. In ancient times, when we think about a messenger, because we're going to see that John the Baptist is a messenger, when a king was out traveling or he was going to a place, it was common for a group to travel ahead of him. And they would make sure that the roads were safe. They would make sure that it was fit. It was, you know, there weren't bad people out there that was fit to travel. And as they were out preparing the way, they would also announce there would be a messenger that would says the king is coming. That's what they would do. The emperor is coming. The king is coming. They were messengers. That was their job to proclaim. And so John the Baptist, he has a a job to go out before Jesus begins his ministry and to say, hey, right, I'm I'm preparing the way. I'm going to help prepare hearts to announce that the king is coming. Jesus is coming. And then we read about how John did that. Mark says in verse 4, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, And all the country of Judea was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was out in the wilderness preaching and teaching. right? He's saying, guys, Jesus is coming. He's about to begin his ministry. He's about to make his way to the cross to be our savior. That's why he's come, right? So let's get ready. Let's get our hearts centered on God. Let's turn to God. That's what the word repent means. A lot of times we think that's a bad word. It just means like turn from something, turn. I don't know what the whistle is from, but turn from something, turn to something else, right? The whistle's in there somewhere. All right, where am I at, right? So he's like, let's turn to God. Let's, Let's look at how God has called us to live right? Let's repent of our sins, confess those things to God, and get our hearts ready for Jesus. That's what he's doing. Let's prepare the way. And so it says that John would baptize those that came and trusted in God's word and confessed their sins. Let's, let's, let's have a little bit of theological conversation here for a second. This is a little bit different baptism than what we have today, okay? So we have Christian baptism. We have believer's baptism. And basically the difference is, is because Jesus hadn't died and rose again at this point. Amen? Right When we baptize someone, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. right? This was a baptism of preparation that John was doing. It was for those that were pre- preparing their hearts and repenting. For Are you with me, church? All right, I'm with me. Right? So believer's baptism or Christian baptisms today, when we baptize, here's what we're doing. This is important. We are baptizing those that have already placed their faith and their trust in Jesus. When we're filling up the baptism, I don't have some kind of sprinkled dust that goes in there or spin my finger around and it turns into something special. Are you with me? I'm not making fun of anybody that, that believes. In, that's just not biblical. We don't see that in the word of God. There is no power in that water. But it is a step of obedience to God. Let me say this. If you are saved if you've given your life to christ and you've not been baptized The goal of this right here is not to shame you. It's just to say hey, let's help you with that You need to do that. That's part of being obedient It's a public display of what god has already done in your life It's also a public display of what god did when he died and rose again. Are you with me church right? There's nothing powerful in that when we are baptized. Here's what we're doing. We are saying I belong to jesus I'm a follower of Jesus. He has saved me, and now I'm part of the family of God. I'm part of the church. That's what baptism is. Are you with me, church? So we need to do that to be obedient. But John, at this point, when he baptizes, he's preparing them for who Jesus is and what Jesus will do. Remember, Mark opened up by saying, I've got the best news ever. Jesus is coming. He's Christ, right? He's the promised one. He's God. And now look at this. John is also, John the Baptist is also proclaiming that Jesus is coming, and they need to be ready Get ready for Jesus. Get ready to follow him, right? See his life, receive his love. John the Baptist is an interesting guy, to say the least. Like, look at what we read about him in verse 6. We're not going to be able to spend too much time on this, but it's just interesting. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. I don't really see that John the Baptist is going to be on the cover of GQ because of this. Are you with me, church, right? You guys know what GQ is, right? Okay. John wasn't out to make a fashion statement, but John did have a purpose. By wearing that heavy and inchy camel hair as clothing and, and, and that big old leather belt and having that simple diet, who's was being lined with Jewish dietary restrictions, right? He was actually wearing that and doing those things to remind them of prophets of old, of Elijah, right? That's what he's doing. He's helping to identify that. And what does a prophet do, man? They're saying, man, hey, Jesus is coming, right? Point, turn to God. Let's not get too lost in all of that and what he's wearing. But he was a simple man with an extraordinary message. Verse seven. Church, this is good. Are you ready? He was preaching and saying, after me is one who is coming, who is mightier than I. And I'm not fit to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At this, at this point, let's, let's learn a little bit about John the Baptist. He was quite the guy. John the Baptist would have had a massive following, massive following, right? He had people that were just following him to hear him speak. He had people that were learning from him, right? The Bible talks about he had disciples, right? He had people that were learning from him. He had people that were helping him prepare hearts for Jesus. He didn't really look the part, but he was a guy that the people had placed much value on. He was big news. CNN, MSNBC, Fox, ESPN, they're all covering John the Baptist, right? But he says, don't miss this, he says, one is coming who is mightier than I. And he even takes that separation, because we're like, okay, you're a, bit, you're a little bit mightier. And he says this, he says, I'm not even fit to stoop down and touch his shoes. You get that? We read in John chapter 3, John the Baptist says this of Jesus. He says this, he goes, he must increase, but I must decrease. He doesn't say keep me where I'm at on your level of how valuable you think I am. He doesn't say that at all. He doesn't say, well, I'm here, so let's put Jesus up here. He says, no, he must increase and I must decrease. God has given John a big platform. Keep this in mind, wherever platform you have, God gave that to you. Do you get that? Right, I, I, I need to be reminded of that. It's not, John is saying, right, he, he, he's got this big platform, he's got this big news, but John is telling everyone, he says, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Take your eyes off of me and put them on Jesus. John the Baptist, he knew Jesus was the Christ. He knew he was the Savior. He knew he was God, and so he did what was, what was the right thing to do, and he expressed humility. He's saying, you think I'm a big deal? You've seen nothing yet. Jesus is the real deal. He is why I'm here. I am here not to point you to me. I'm to point others to Jesus. It was never about John. It was always about Jesus. And I think that's a great reminder for us this morning. We think about Christmas. Let's just lay this out there, church. It was never about the angels. It was never about the shepherds. It was never about the wise men. It was never about Joseph. Church, it wasn't even about Mary. It was never about John the Baptist. John the Baptist could have made things big about him. Mary and Joseph could have made things big about them, right? John could have said, hey, this ministry is about big, bad John, right? That's a reference, okay? Most of you guys don't. I probably shouldn't know that, but big, bad John. It wasn't about him. He pointed people to Jesus. It's not a bad song, by the way. Don't think I'm singing a bad song. But here's what he's saying. He's saying look at me less and look at him more. Church, sometimes it can be easy to make ministry about us. What's the brand of Jeff up here? What's the style? What's this? Meh. Nah. are you with me, church man? It could be about our Let's let's get real here. Sometimes we make it about our comforts. Sometimes we think we make it about our personal desires. Sometimes church, we make it about our preferences. Or sometimes we begin to take credit for what God's doing. Sometimes it can be easy to forget why we do what we do, but let us be reminded by John here today. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's about who he is and what he did. Even whenever he talks about the baptism, we looked at that before, he's going to, it says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Check this out. I had a conversation with somebody about this this last week. He's saying, I baptize you, right? But there's a a greater baptism coming. For us, we already know this happened, that Jesus died and rose again. We know what happened, but, but he's telling them, be prepared. Jesus will make a way for salvation. He will make a way to have a relationship with him, to have forgiveness and to be washed clean. And here's the reality, church. When we trust in Jesus as our Lord, the moment that we are saved, the Bible says we are baptized, By the Holy Spirit. John is saying, we could go in and have a long sermon about that in itself, but John is saying the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what cleanses you from the inside out. It will change you. It will wash you clean. The Holy Spirit comes to reside within us. That's what happens when we turn to Jesus and when we're saved instantly. It's not the water. I don't know what I'm pointing at. There's no water back here, but you get the idea. There's not the water. That's a public profession of our faith. It's Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, that do that. When we believe in Jesus, when we trust in Him and He saves us, we are promised the Holy Spirit. We are made clean, church, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? We are made new by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Let's look about us for a little bit and what we're supposed to do. When we look at this passage, I love the example we see here in John. We know that God had a purpose for John's life. We see that. He knew that God was involving him in his plan. It was to point people to Jesus and to prepare the way. Church, God involves us in his plan. God involves us in his plan. We can look at passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We can look at Romans chapter 12. We can look at Ephesians 4. We can look at all these different places and see how God says, I have gifted you and equipped you for my glory. Amen? to serve the church, to serve God, to serve the people, to bring people. Are you with me, right? And so we also look in places like this. I love this. Mark 16, Acts 1, Luke 24, Matthew 28, all have the words of Jesus telling us to go and tell people about Jesus. Go and be my witnesses. Go and make disciples. Be used by God, by the power of the Holy Spirit to point others to him. John opened up and says, I've got good news. We have a responsibility to tell others the good news. Let me be very clear. It is not the good news about your job. It's not the good news about our politicians. It is not the good news about our economy. Do we understand that? We put too much into that stuff. We want to see change in our country. Let's start telling people about Jesus. Amen. He's the one that does that. That's free this morning. Right? It's the good news of Jesus Christ that He came when we least deserved it so that we could be saved and have a relationship with Him. Because apart from Jesus, if we don't have Jesus, you don't have God. You will not spend eternity with God. It's only Jesus that makes that possible. God involves us in His plan to reach people. And just like John, we need to be intentionally engaged in what God is doing. What is God actively doing? What is He using you? What are we doing to be used by God? We read, we, hear, we, we read it in the Bible, we do devotionals, we hear it preached. Oh yeah, I should do that. But how are you being intentional about it? How are you growing and serving and loving and telling? I've been talking a lot about this this week at church, in the sermons, in our life groups. Who have you told about Jesus recently? You've got to be intentional about it. It's one thing to say amen when you hear something and agree with stuff that we hear, but it's another thing to be intentionally engaged and do it. Here's the reality. Every move, every word from John was about Jesus. He was intentional. He must increase, and I must decrease. Here's the whole point, church. Jesus. Not a vote of impeachment. Not a president winning or losing. Not the economy. None of those things we seem to wrap our hope up in. The best news ever is Jesus. Mark opens up by saying, listen up. I'm going to tell you I'm proclaiming from the rooftops the best news ever. And the best is this. There is a new king coming. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is God. And his name is Jesus. And John is saying at that point he's coming to begin his ministry. And then John, the Baptist, says, hey, guys, Jesus is coming. Get ready. Be prepared. Maybe today you're hearing this for the first time, or maybe you've heard it before, but you've never really listened. Is God telling you this morning to give your heart to Jesus? I'm not asking, is He asking you to be a, a keyboard champion and devour someone on Facebook? I'm not saying, is He calling you to vote Democrat or Republican? I'm not saying, is he asking you to listen to Caleb on a regular basis? I'm asking you, is Jesus calling you to him? To recognize that he is Lord and that you need him to save you from your sins. And church, he makes it very clear. We have to turn from our sins. Do we understand that? Sometimes we hear these feel good messages like, hey, Jesus, just go to him. You've got to turn from your sins. I sin all the time. And then I go back, I'm sorry, Jesus, right? And I repent of that. But you've got to have that moment of repentance where you turn from, Jesus, or turn from sin. When you turn from s- something, you turn to something else, amen, right? You turn from your sin and you turn to walk with Jesus. Is God calling you this morning to give your heart to Jesus so that he can save you from your sins? Because church, here's the reality. If you don't know Jesus, you will spend eternity in a place called hell. That's the reality. Jesus saved someone last week. Praise God, amen? That's super good. That person was, became a part of the family of God. Woo! That's good news. Is he calling you to turn from your sins and turn to Jesus? At Christmas time this year, let us be reminded that God could have chosen whatever he wanted, however he wanted, but he chose you and me, those that know Christ, to tell others about him. Let me make it very clear. We don't save anybody. We understand that. We don't save anybody. It's not in your words. It's not any of that. God does the saving. But our purpose is to point people to Jesus. Christmas is a right around the corner. How will God use you with your neighbors, with your kids, with your spouse? How will you use you with your parents, with your coworkers, with your schoolmates? How will God use you? How will you be intentionally engaged in what God is doing? Will we see those that God has placed around us Here's the question for you. The last thing for your notes is this. Who has God placed in your life that needs Jesus to save them? What better time to say, hey, we celebrate at Christmas that a king is coming to save you. As we close, I want us to think about some things here real quick. We receive a gift from Jesus. And we open that gift. We trust in him. The Bible uses the language of believe or receive or trust, right? Do we trust in Jesus? Do we repent and follow him? Then we receive the free gift of salvation. We become part of the family of God. I was watching a video. Maybe you guys have seen it. I'm such an adoption nerd, like foster and adoption nerd. There was this little girl that for her birthday, she opened up a gift. And on the inside of it, she had been in foster care her entire life. And she opens up this gift on the inside. And it was just a letter that says, we're going to adopt you. Right? That's the gift. We're adopted into the family of God. If you know Jesus, you, you received that gift. You were adopted into the family of God. But here's, here, here, here's a different kind of box. What kind of box is this? What's that? Sto- it's a clear box, yes. But it's storage, right? Thank you. It's storage. And sometimes what we do is we take this and what do we what do we do with these, right? We take stuff and we put it in there. We put it in the in the in the garage, right? Or the ba- we had basements in Kansas City, right? We put them down there and we store them, right? We do that. And some is this what we're doing with the gift that God gave us? Is that what we're doing? box was never intended to be stored away It's never intended to be stored away sorry i didn't break it it's never intended to be stored away the gift that jesus gave you jesus says go and tell others about me give it away we taped this thing i hate tape don't don't tape it just 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 put it on there it takes five minutes I've got to pull my knife out you know. My mother-in-law loves to tape. You're so good. She doesn't want to get out. But here's the thing, church. This gift was never meant to be stored away in a storage box. It's meant for us to point people to Jesus so they can see the gift that he gave them. And that's between them and the Lord, whether they receive him or not. Are you with me, church? What will we do with Jesus this Christmas? Will we store it away? safe keepings because we're nervous or we're scared or we just don't want to or will we present it to someone and say look at what jesus gave me